In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. We're here with Michael Fell, Portland's president. Just got back from Cleveland. Michael, let's start with the headlines. How was it? Well, as a uh, lifelong Browns fan, it was a dream come true, to be honest. I've seen many, many, many games, and, um, but I've never been to training camp. And I also uh, went to the orange and brown scrimmage that they had over 37,000 people. Wow. And I met a handful of players, met the head coach. Uh, what was really cool uh, was also being able to see the team really, really close and kind of going through some drills and practices and keeping in mind that there's over 90 players right now that will be trimmed down to 53. Um, I was really looking out looking out for some question marks that I had on the team, as well as some standout players that could make the final roster. Well, we're going to go into that in a minute, but tell us a little bit how President's uh, Weekend works. So if you're a Browns backer, you have a, a president that looks after your um, uh, area. If I'm correct, you can bl- bring a plus one to a President's uh, Weekend. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's exactly how it works. And, okay. um, yeah, give us a 30-second over- overview of what happens at President's Weekend. Yeah, so uh, I flew in from Portland, Oregon on uh, Thursday night, and Friday morning we got to go down to training camp, which is in Berea, which is the headquarters of uh, the Cleveland Browns. And uh, there we watched a two-and-a-half-hour uh, practice, essentially, which is called training camp. And uh, after training camp, uh, players came over to the Browns backers president section, and we were able to uh, get some autographs. And then later that day, we ended up having dinner at First Energy Stadium um, and uh, kind of their tap room. They call it the draft room. Um, So it's kind of a bar section, actually. Um, And they had a couple of ex-players there. Phil Taylor was the big one that uh, showed up. They did a raffle. They fed us all. We were able to meet a lot of the presidents. Um, I think I may have been the furthest afield coming from Portland, which is 2,300 miles away. And then on Saturday, we were invited to uh, the Orange and Brown scrimmage, which was in the stadium. And in years past, they were lucky to get maybe 5,000 people in attendance. But uh, this year, they had 37,000 plus that showed up. So half the stadium was full. Crazy, hey? It was awesome. It was really, really awesome. And um, anything else that you do uh, particular with the uh, President Weekend that's different to... uh maybe a a normal fans experience? Um, I think the biggest thing was, uh, well, we were very well treated, number one. Uh, We ended up getting taken into uh, the locker room and they had a locker room sale. Um, So they had a bunch of old equipment. Some of it was autographed by past players, which I'm not really that interested in. And, you know, previous players, there were, you know, people that may have been on the team for a year or so. 
but I did manage to buy a couple of things that were kind of cool and they were um, cheap. Um, we were in the visitor's locker room and then we were taken around. Unfortunately, we weren't able to get into the Browns locker room because they were preparing it for the scrimmage, which was the day, uh, the next day. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just kind of a behind the scenes. They opened it all up. They treated us well. Uh, they were clearly very grateful for the work that we do. Um, and it was nice to socialize and to network with other presidents and talk about clubs and what they do on, on game day. Okay. And, uh, as a president, do you get any top tips or anything you can mention now of what you've learned from other presidents? Um, well, I think a lot of it was, you know, how things work regarding raffles. Uh, a lot of us are expecting the numbers to be through the roof this year, um, keeping in mind that, you know, there's a lot of hype on this team. And the Browns have been the doormat for 20 years. They've been the laughing stock of the league for many years. Um, and there's been some just great signings and there's a lot of expectations. We finally have what we believe is our quarterback. And in this sport, you have to have a quarterback to be successful. We believe that Baker is the guy and this city is ready for it. It's exciting. But we also know that that what bring, uh, what comes with success is also, uh, in America, we call it, um, uh, bandwagon fans, I think in England you call them glory supporters. So yeah. we're going to get a lot of the glory supporters that are going to show up just because they're good. So I'm expecting my bar to be very, very full. Okay, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. I don't think uh, glory fans or uh, bandwagon fans, it's better that they're spending money on the Cleveland Browns than another team. That's the only way I look at it. Absolutely. And it's a long time coming as well. Yeah. And when was the last time you were in Cleveland? Last time I was actually in Cleveland was 2014. I took my son, uh, who was 15 at the time. We flew in for, uh, that was the year that we won seven games with Brian Hoyer. It was looking pretty exciting. Mike Patton was the coach. Um, and we thought that we were going to make the playoffs. And we flew in in a very cold, wintry day in December to see him play the Colts. And in great Cleveland Brown style, we managed to lose it in the last minute. Uh, it was a heartbreaker, but the Browns are known for heartbreakers. Uh, my family, I grew up in Cleveland, but my family have all uh, moved on, and uh, my parents are retired in Cleveland. Cleveland's a cold, snowy place in the winter, so they actually live out near me in Oregon now. So, uh, But I was able to see some old high school friends, and yeah, it's nice, nice to see a city that I grew up in and uh, just to be back there. Excellent. Well, look, I'm glad, glad you had a... Uh great uh, weekend and uh, number one let's start with your views on the o-liner give us maybe a 30 second overview of how you saw the o-liner uh, panning out well there are some questions with our o-line um we're wondering as a team as to you know how is greg robinson going to be at left tackle we're wondering who's going to play right guard those are big holes on the offensive line uh, obviously your offensive line are your un unsung heroes that need to protect your quarterback, open holes up for your running backs. It really starts, they, they are the guys in the trench. They're the big guys in the trench that do everything. And you can have Tom Brady, and if you don't have an offensive line, you're not going to be a good team. So there are some question marks, but I left with some uh, hesitation on those question marks because, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a little bit, 
our defense looks absolutely lights out. And it makes me wonder if our offensive line practicing against our defense can only get better. And, uh, but at the same time, if John Dorsey, our general manager, is seeing some serious worries, uh, my guess is, is he will wheel and deal and bring some, somebody in at some point. As we're recording this podcast, reports are coming through Mary Kay Cabot that uh, Eric Cush is starting the second time as a first with the first team. So um, that's quite interesting to see. That is interesting to see because uh, in the 2018 uh, draft, Dorsey used his number 33 pick for Austin Corbett. And um, if Corbett is not going to be a starter, that's a big pick to use and for that guy not to be a starter. So that means that Corbett is being beat out by somebody. Um, so, but you got to go with the best person. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, these guys protect your main asset, which is your quarterback. Okay. Let's move on to the kicking field. Um, we all know what's been going on roughly, that uh, Joseph's been quite accurate and uh, Sebert's been struggling a little bit. Maybe you want to give a bit of an in inside. Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a big question mark because Cleveland gets uh, some pretty bad winter weather. It's an outdoor stadium. It's right on the Great Lakes. And if you've never been to Cleveland, a Great Lake looks like an ocean, but it's still, but the weather comes in and it's bad. And the kicker kicking on August 3rd on an 82 degree day with very little wind, it's different than kicking in Cleveland in November or December, possibly January in a playoff game. So your kicker needs to be accurate. We used a draft pick, fifth round draft pick to bring in Austin Siebert from Oklahoma. And he's struggling, to be honest, he's struggling. He missed, uh, I think he made three of, uh, three of eight or five of eight, maybe, I don't know. He missed, he missed a couple. Joseph, we brought him in last year, mid season, and uh, he had a few missed kicks. Uh, he made everything at camp and at scrimmage, but at the same time, I, you know, I just worry that if we, if we don't have a kicker, we're going to lose a game or two potentially um, because of our kicking game. And if you lose a game or two when you're only playing 16, that could be the difference of uh, a playoff game. Michael, gun to your head. Who are you going to go with, with our kicker, Joseph or Serberts? I think right now you go with Joseph because he's the most consistent of the two, without a doubt. And he played, um, I, I think he played last year, maybe 10 out of 16 games. Carrying on in the special uh, teams room, punting. Now, punting is an interesting one because the punter, I don't know if everyone realizes this, but the punter also holds the ball for the kicker. So we have a tried and tested punter with Colquitt. Uh, he actually was on a Super Bowl winning team a handful of years ago. We know what we're getting with him. He's held before. He can do directional punts. If, if, they, if the opposing team have a uh, lethal guy in the backfield, you can punt away from him by directionally uh, punting it. But then we brought in this guy who, uh, he's a Scotsman actually, who played for Arkansas Pine Bluff, a very small uh, college. Uh, he has a hell of a leg. He can boot it. He's a rugby player, um, but he's still learning the game of American football. So he's never held the ball for a kicker, and he's still learning how to directionally punt. 
So he's not as consistent as Colquitt. And um, I do wonder if some of our problems at kicking are down to the holding. But I'm not sure on that. Uh, but I'm sure it has something to do with it. Did you see um, the Scottish Hammer hold the ball for Greg Joseph at all? Uh, I did. I saw both of them. Okay, yeah, but did, they, did sorry, is Scottish Hammer always with one person holding, or does he uh, alternate? Yeah, they were rotating them both in, um, both kickers. And the reason being is the kickers, every kicker kicks differently, and the laces on the football, um, it's for a quarterback, how you hold the ball with the laces is one way uh, for one quarterback and one way for another quarterback, and it's the same for a kicker. So I understand that Joseph and Siebert like the laces totally different. And so they have to get that right for each of those kickers. It sounds trivial, but it's, you know, when you've got uh, eight guys running in, nine guys, 10 guys running in towards uh, that ball to try and block it, and you have seconds to get that, those laces right for your kicker as he's running up, it's got to be perfect especially when a game winner's on the line. Mm. And Colquitt, it just seems like Colquitt's the safest option. I know he's a little bit more expensive on the cap space, but he's safe, right? You know, if it's me, I would keep Colquitt because at the end of the day, we've got a team that on paper, I really, really, truly believe Dorsey is trying to go full out and win it if not this year definitely next year and you have to have every position right so if there is a question you go with the one that you feel really good with even if you've drafted somebody and if he got it wrong with uh, Austin by drafting him with the fifth you still have to go with the guy that you feel better with and if you have questions on both of them you try and get wheel and deal with another team to bring in a tried and tested kicker that you know that question mark is not even going to be raised. I was just um, doing a bit of research on Colquitt. I didn't realize that he was undrafted, uh, joined the practice squad of Miami Dolphins, yep. uh, and then was picked up by the Broncos, and the rest is history, basically. Yeah, he won a Super Bowl with the Broncos. Mm. All right, let's go to the big one. Were you at the game... Uh, the Indians game after the uh, scrummage? <laughs> no, we were staying, uh, we were right in downtown actually, and um, uh, the Indians had the LA Angels uh, in town and they swept them. Uh, they had three games against the Angels and the Indians won all three of them. But no, I didn't make it into, uh, into the Angels-Indians game. So you didn't see uh, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield doing his famous uh, shotgun uh, beer can uh, drink? I didn't, and uh, I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't because uh, I'm not sure if I – well, I probably would have seen it on a video screen, but you could get tickets for like 20 bucks, but you're yeah. sitting way, way out in left field. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, how, how do you find the depth of the quarterback rooms looking? Well, you've got uh, Drew Stanton, who's directly behind Baker. And, you know, I'll be honest, I wouldn't want a lot of games to fall on Drew Stanton because, you know, that fall off is huge. 
what I think Stanton is really good with is as a vet and mentor in that quarterback room, I think he's going to be a really great assistant coach essentially for Baker Mayfield because he's played a lot of games. He's seen a lot of things. And uh, I think he'll, I think he'll be like a little bit like Josh McCown was uh, when we had McCown. Uh, You don't want a lot of games to fall on them on their responsibility, but in the actual quarterback room, I think that, you know, their presence is invaluable. The other two guys, my guess is, is we'll keep Gilbert uh, over Blau. Um, You know, I I think that you have to keep three quarterbacks in this sport. So I'd be surprised if we ended up getting rid of uh, two of them and only carried on two. Um, So out of the, out of the four, I think we go with Mayfield, Stanton and uh, Gilbert. Interesting. I I think I agree with that. I think that all makes, uh, makes perfect sense. I should probably say, sorry, Paul, I hope you don't mind. I should probably say, you know, during camp and uh, at scrimmage, I wasn't, I wasn't overwhelmed with Baker and don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anything about Baker. I'm not worried about Baker at all in the slightest. I was more focused on what I knew were issues and the offensive line. I was really watching the offensive line. I was in awe of the defense. I mean, it is absolutely, this defense is going to be lights out. It's going to be fast. The defense were getting back there and all the quarterbacks, the way training camp works, it's very rotational. So Baker would come in for a little bit and then they'd pull him out and then they bring in the twos. They bring in Stanton, then they pull Stanton out. They bring in a couple of other rotational players, bring in the other two quarterbacks. So it's very stop, start, stop, start. And all, all of those defensive players, whether they were ones, twos, or threes, they were all really putting a lot of heat on our quarterbacks. So there was duress there, and um, the running backs were getting hit behind the line of scrimmage a lot. Uh, and again, I'm not – I'm not throwing this out to be overly worried uh, because I think that it says possibly more about our defense than it does about our O-line and our O-line are not going to face that many defenses that are quite as um, lethal as I think ours is going to be. Um, And on that note, Mac Wilson, uh, I'm sure you're going to ask about the defense, but Mac Wilson was an absolute stud this weekend we took him as a linebacker and uh, he was, he's looking phenomenal. He's out of Alabama. Yeah, no, um, he was the, one of the value picks that we, uh, we took and uh, be really interesting if we get good value from him, but carrying on to some of your points, the um, wide receiver, wide receiver room, let's forget about OBJ and Higgins and Landry Landry. Let's just stay on a bit more of the depth. Yeah, well, depth-wise, when you get past those three, those three are absolutely, totally safe. I agree on that. Callaway, I, I'm, I'm pretty positive Callaway will make the team as well. I'd be shocked if he doesn't. He does look a little bit thicker uh, around the core and uh, his rear and his thighs. He's definitely wider and thicker than uh, the other receivers. Um, but... I think Callaway also makes the team. He, he brings, you know, some, some good potential there at top um, behind the defensive line because there'll be a lot of focus on uh, certainly OBJ and Landry. But then you, you usually you carry six receivers because you need some depth. 
And um, I think your other two receivers for me, Derek Willies, uh, I think without a doubt will make this team. That guy is huge. I was very close to him. He's six foot four. I mean, he, he almost looks like Josh Gordon and just this incredible, uh, talented um, specimen of, of, of an athlete, really, when you're standing next to him. So he'll be a huge target. He's having a great camp. He had some brilliant catches when I was there. Uh, and he really commanded a presence. Um, for those people that uh, maybe have forgotten, Willie's looked really, really good last year. He had a fantastic catch during our Baltimore game that we ended up uh, tying and going into overtime and winning. Um, but he had a crucial, crucial catch that led to our winning field goal. And then sadly, uh, not long after that, that game, he broke his collarbone and he was done for the season. So he's coming back and he's looking really strong. I think uh, he wins out over Ratley. I think Damian Ratley is, is probably all but gone now. Um, and then for the sixth spot, I'm really thinking Jalen Strong. I think Jalen Strong looked really good. He's, he's a lot thinner uh, than Willie's, but he's, he, he had some really nice catches as well. Well, both them players today, as we're recording this, have been making some big catches. So um, it's backing up the consistency that uh, Baker keeps talking about of these players doing well. And the thing I'll challenge you on is, Willie Strong, are they going to be good enough for special teams to make the roster? Well, that's a great point, Paul. I think that you're, you're, certainly your sixth receiver you carry has to be able to play on, on the special teams. And so I think that you make a really good point. I, think that, I do think that Willies will make this team. The guy is big. He, he creates a really, really big target for Baker. Defenses are going to be focused on certainly OBJ and Landry in the slot, my guess is. Uh, but then all of a sudden you have Willies, and we'll, we'll talk about the tight ends in a little bit who are also big. But if you throw Willies out there, you've got a massive target. And if you need a first down, a crucial first down, or if you need a, a, a score in the red zone, all of a sudden that really helps, especially when your quarterback is, you know, 5'11-ish, um, to see somebody on top over there. So your sixth one, Jalen Strong, could be possibly on the cusp. And if he is on the cusp, it's my understanding that the receiver that they did bring in as a potential special teams guy is Damien uh, with the double barrel last name, Sheehy Giuseppe, I think, off the top of my head. I, I don't know yeah. his last name. Um, I saw him a bit at training camp and a little bit at scrimmage. Uh, he, was, he was doing some fielding of punts and stuff, but... I didn't see him out and about making catches like I saw Willie's or even Montgomery. You know, I don't think Montgomery makes the team. I don't think Hyman makes the team. Um, Hyman's also had a really good day today as well. So, uh, Oh, has he? Yeah, I haven't seen those headlines. That's good to hear. But, you know, keeping in mind, if you don't make the 53 on the Browns, you're also, this is essentially a resume tryout for other teams because talent scouts will be looking at other teams' cuts. And if, there's, if they see a cut from one of our receivers, we have a really strong wide receiver room. If they see that Hyman has been cut or Jalen Strong or, you know, Damian has been cut, another team will pick them up. Let's talk tight end room. Yeah, tight end is going to be an interesting one. Um, so 
I'm just a fan. Uh, but if I was John Dorsey today, I would cut Seth DeValve. And without a doubt, Pharaoh Brown makes my team. Um, that, that is just an absolute biased comment. Because I'm going to ask you the next question. What, no, it's uh, not. And I know what, what that question is. Um, uh, what uh, college did he go to? Well, he did go to the University of Oregon. But I will say this. I am not, a, uh, I'm not, a, I'm not biased because he was a duck. Ah, okay. Uh, I didn't go to the I didn't go to the University of Oregon, but I knew you were going to ask me that, my friend. Um, and no, I, honestly, I will say this: if I had to choose just two players that completely uh, blew me away and I left with as absolute surprises on offense, it would be Farrell Brown, and on defense, it'd be Mac Wilson. Um, but Farrell Brown. So going back to the tight end room, um, David Njoku is obviously uh, going to make this team. He's a huge guy. He doesn't block, but he is a catching threat tight end. Pharaoh Brown, uh, didn't see him blocking too much, but, you know, I didn't, wasn't watching him that much uh, with the blocking as playing a fullbacker. Um, but he, made, he brought down some great passes, had a couple of touchdowns, one at training camp and, and two over at uh, the scrimmage. Uh, he is a huge guy, and uh, he did play for the University of Oregon, and he – he had a horrible leg injury in 2014 and uh, ended up going undrafted and the Raiders picked him up. And uh, I think he spent some time on their practice squad before he was waived. So I, you know, I'm just, I'm glad that he's getting the second chance, but he really, really shined. And uh, for the tight end room, if you carried three tight ends over, I would have again, Njoku and Farrell Brown who both, as huge targets and threats for a first down or in the red zone touchdown. And then you keep Orson Charles, who is a great blocker. Orson Charles might have, you know, a catch or two, but he's really out there as another blocker, another offensive lineman. Um, the criticism on Najoku is he doesn't block. Um, but, you know, you want him to catch first downs and touchdowns. Yeah, really good point. It'd be a real shame if uh, Seth DeValve obviously doesn't. He's been a real trooper for the Browns over the last uh, two, three years. Um, but yeah, that's where we are as a roster at the moment. We're going for playoffs, Super Bowl. We've got to make these tough decisions. Absolutely. I agree. And, um, you know, I, I agree with you on, uh, on Seth. I think one thing I will say about Seth is we have never received a full season out of him. He's often hurt. He's a big guy, um, and uh, but we just haven't had enough uh, out of him. And I think that, you know, at this point we need production. And from what I saw, we should get production out of Farrell Brown. Let's uh, finish up uh, with the uh, running back room. Yeah, so running back room, um, obviously Nick Chubb is going to make this team. We also know that Kareem Hunt will be on the team uh, after week eight. So we have a bye, I think it is week eight or nine, and then he'll come in. Um, and then there's a question at Duke Johnson. So at camp, I saw Dontrell Hilliard a lot. And uh, Ernest Johnson uh, was being used a lot as well. Um, and Duke Johnson was on the sidelines. Um, Sorry about the uh, background noise. Um, 
But Duke Johnson was on the sidelines. He wasn't even kitted up. And uh, I ended up taking with me to, uh, to the President's Weekend, the founder of our club, um, Kevin Erbst. And Kevin and I were chatting. And Kevin felt that uh, the body language of Duke was kind of checked out. I can't confirm that. Uh, I wasn't really looking. Um, but it does make me wonder you know, what the future holds for uh, Duke Johnson. I think that, you know, with the whole Kareem Hunt not being able to come in and play for uh, the first eight or so games, you know, it makes sense to keep Duke and then you wheel and deal him around week five, six, seven. Um, but at the same time, if Dorsey sees an opportunity to get something, maybe a kicker, who knows, uh, and a draft pick for Duke Johnson, maybe he wheels and deals him. Um, I think Dontrell Hilliard definitely makes his team. He looked great. Uh, he was getting a lot of reps, and uh, he had some good uh, touchdowns. He had some good shifty plays. He caught some. He was doing some uh, fielding of punts or actually uh, kickoff returns. Um, so, yeah, I think Hilliard is safe. Uh, I saw the new guy they signed, Ouellette. Uh, they brought him in on some two-minute drills with the second or third team, and he made a couple of touchdowns. But, you know, I, I don't know if he's going to make the team. Maybe the practice squad. Yeah, this is a real tough one because if you look, healthy starters, we've got Chubb, Duke Johnson, and uh, Kareem uh, Hunt, okay, yep. which is an absolute mind-boggling, amazing running back room. However, when you look, when you break it down, okay, Duke Johnson's heads may be in it. Hunt's out to week nine, plus Touchwood. We don't have an injury. There could be an injury to Hunt or Hilliard. The running back room's looking really, really low. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's uh, that's the nature of the game, and uh, unfortunately, you know, you can carry Chubb, Hunt, Johnson, or Hilliard. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I think that unfortunately the nature of this game, it's so physical, uh, you know, the biggest difference with, uh, American football and rugby, I know we wear the pads in American football, but you, you got to keep in mind also that you're throwing the ball in defensive space. And the difference with rugby is you're passing the ball backwards so that whoever gets the ball is able to be, you know, kind of looking at the defenders coming at them in rugby before they get hit. Whereas for a wide receiver or even a running back who's out in the middle of the field, if you throw the ball forward, they could be slammed and hit um, by, in, in a very violent manner. And then you throw in the punt returns. A punt returner is waiting for that ball to drop out of the sky as 10 guys are barreling at him. <laughs> So the potential of being injured in this sport is significantly higher, I believe, than in rugby. And um, so just going back with what you say, yeah, you could have a devastating injury that could change any unit's room, any unit's locker room. Uh, the biggest injury for any team would be your starting quarterback. So, you know, fingers crossed there's no injuries with Baker Mayfield because the drop-off between Baker and, and the next guy is, is significant. All right, let's let's move on swiftly to the defense. Give us a, a one two minute overview of defense. What did you see? What did you like? Well, I saw a defense that is shock and awe. They were fast. 
they were penetrating, they were mean, and they were keeping in mind, they were going against their own players. Um, you know, they're the number one rule in training camp in this scrimmage is to, to play, but obviously not to hurt your own teammates. So a lot of it was, you know, just kind of touching. You're not allowed to touch the quarterback. Um, but, you know, a lot of there, there wasn't a lot of tackling, but the blockers were certainly doing their thing to, to block. And the defensive line were doing their thing to get back there and to stop. So, you know, what you were seeing was, you know, some pretty fast, very aggressive defensive line action going on. And I didn't even see Olivier Vernon out there. Olivier Vernon is currently hurt. So the line that I saw was Garrett, uh, Ogan Joby, Sheldon Richardson, and uh, Gennard Avery. Uh, and then sometimes Coley would come in uh, as well as defensive tackle. So Avery was playing on the other edge. So if you throw Olivier Vernon into the mix, they're going to be even better. Um, and then you step back from the defensive line and you've got linebackers, Christian Kirksey. Uh, we have uh, Taki Taki, who we just drafted, Mac Wilson, uh, Schobert, obviously. And uh, that linebacker room looked pretty good. I think that there's some questions at depth because we do have a couple of youngsters. Um, Jannard Avery can drop back as, uh, as a linebacker. He was being played as a linebacker last year, but now they're moving him forward as an edge rusher. Um, so you got some flexibility there. I think that the linebacker room for me, when I was watching it, it makes me wonder, is Kirksey's job safe after this year? Because Kirksey is being paid a lot. The guy's a true dog, love him but he's got some youngsters that are going to be battling for that, uh, that spot of his uh, that are obviously to be Frank or are going to be paid a lot less. Um, but Taki Taki, he comes as advertised. He played for a small college, bring him young, but he is fast. He's vocal. I could hear him shouting and yelling on the field, telling his team what to do because the linebacker uh, has to be kind of a quarterback of the de defense. They're looking at what they believe the offense are going to do, telling the people, uh, their fellow defenders, how to line up, what to do, how to drop back, what to look for. Um, and he was doing all of that. Uh, and he's violent. Uh, you know, he is absolutely violent. He ran past the right guard and our center and got into the backfield super quick. Um, I hope that that doesn't go against him with respect to him getting hurt. Um, but he plays lights out. Um, and Mac Wilson, I already mentioned him. Mac Wilson had killer, uh, two days that I was there. He had a absolute superb diving pick, uh, on Baker. Um, and then in the scrimmage, he had a pick six that he ran back home. Um, Mac Wilson, we took this, uh, this draft and yeah, he's, he's obviously learning. So my, my wonder is next year as we go into, uh, into next year, what's going to happen with Kirksey and, and possibly even Schobert. We he's knew in, Greg he's Williams. In his last, he's in his last year for his extension. So, uh, Kirksey. Press. Yeah. Yes. I think, I think Kirksey, I think Kirksey could be off this team next year. Um, and then Schobert, uh, Greg Williams loved him. Um, he's obviously uh, super, super bright with respects to being able to read what the quarterback is calling out and doing. Um, so let's see how he plays. 
But there's a couple of youngsters that are very exciting with Taki Taki and Mac Wilson. And then getting into the defensive backs, I saw some packages where we had five defensive backs out there, um, which was kind of cool. Um, you know, obviously Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams uh, will be the cornerbacks. And then you throw in TJ Curry, um, uh, Burnett, and uh, uh, Randall. And you've got a pretty decent defensive uh, back room. But with that defensive line, they're going to put some pressure on a quarterback. That quarterback's going to have to throw very quickly. And um, we could end up getting that ball back pretty, pretty easily with a lot of picks uh, with our linebackers or our uh, defensive backs. I'm going to put us, I'm going to predict right now, Paul. I'm going to say, I'm going to say we're top five defense. Actually, I'm going to say we're going to end up as a top three defense. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to say we're going to end up as a top three defense. And, of course, I'm saying this before any games have played. So, barring injury, as in Miles Garrett, um, I'm going to say if we stay healthy, we're a top three defense in the entire league out of 32 teams. Super exciting times, Michael. And uh, offense, we're going to put our offense top. I think if Baker stays healthy – that's the key, you know, anything can happen if, if you have a key injury. If Baker stays healthy, Baker plays well to what we believe. Freddie continues doing what he was doing with this roster. I would put this roster top five, top three as well. Um, I really think, I think Baker could have an amazing um, second year, sophomore year as a, as a, as a quarterback in this league. Um, there's question marks, obviously, with, with Kansas City because of a couple of their players that they're, they're going to miss. I don't know what's going to happen with Tyreek Hill, certainly Hunt. Um, I think the Colts are, are potentially going to be good. Obviously, the Pats are, are there. We don't know about Pittsburgh. There's a question mark with me on Jacksonville with Foles. I think the Browns are going to be – I think they're going to make some noise, and I think they've earned their stripes. They're ready to do so. Well, Michael, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I, I would like to get you on again during the season because you've got a great view and uh, uh, a great uh, way of breaking it all down. So uh, that has been amazing. And uh, tell us, are you going to do anything for the preseason games or are you looking forward to the first uh, sat, uh, sat, Sunday in September? Well, that's going to be our big one is the, is the first real game. But, uh, yeah, our bar – well – Unfortunately, we can't get the first game live. Um, the way they have these packages, uh, the preseason games are very difficult to get live. Um, so we have one package at our bar that allows us to have uh, all of the regular season games, uh, but we don't have all of the preseason games live. Um, so I will, I'll probably you know, end up watching it um, myself on you know, some sort of streaming uh, device. But... Um, we are going to televise the second game live, which is against the Colts at our bar. Um, but really the big one, not huge numbers come out for preseason games because as you know, it's, you know, they, it's usually game three. That's the big one. That's the make or break one where they start to decide uh, who they're going to play and who they're, or who they're going to keep on their 53 roster and who they're going to get rid of. Um, the big, the big one's going to be definitely September 8th, and I'm expecting, I'm expecting about 250 people at our Portland Browns backers bar.
Just for the Browns. Oh, excellent. And Michael, where can people find your details? We have a Facebook page, Portland Browns Backers. Uh, and if anyone wants to join our Facebook page, just uh, put a request in uh, to close group, but we let it, any Browns fan in. Um, so Portland Browns Backers. And uh, that's a very active site. We do also have a website, but we're definitely much more active on the Facebook page. Um, and one thing I will just leave you with, Paul, I know you're going to go and see a handful of games. I'm super excited for you, man. Um, but I'll tell you what, growing up in Cleveland in the, in the 80s, that team, were, they were fantastic. They almost made it to the Super Bowl. They lost some heartbreakers. But the city was it is Brownstown. And we've had some really, really bad, rough down years. Um, but that city can feel it, man. They can feel it. They are so excited. They are going to go crazy. And if this team plays the way that they should and the way that we believe that they will with uh, the roster that's on paper, Cleveland's going to go crazy, man. And it's, it's, it's much deserved. It's a phoenix. It's, it's rising out of the ashes. And I can't wait to see it. Well, excellent, Michael. Thank you so much for your time, and go Browns. Go Browns, brother. Have a good one. Thank you. It's my pleasure talking to you. No worries. Thanks a lot, brother. You take care. You too, man. Right on. See you later. Hey,